Good afternoon and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Shaley Peters today filling in for Susan Littlefield. Our guest, Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. A lot to talk about today, Arlen. Uh, we did end the day in the green for the most part, but there has been so much volatility with these markets uh, over the last week or two, but specifically in the last few days. So let's first start off by talking about that. Give us kind of a recap on today's trade and talk about some of that volatility, Arlen. Yeah, and really to put this week in perspective, we need to go back and talk about what had been happening this spring. Uh, first of all, the excuse given fundamentally for the sink in prices was uh, trade talks going south. Uh, well, China didn't buy much in the way of corn from us anyway. Um, but yet corn prices were going down as well. And, and the bottom line is price is still a function of supply and demand, but it's modified how the markets manage supply and demand with today's involvement of computer trading and the billions of dollars of hedge funds behind those computers. Computers impact the majority of trading that goes on today in both the commodities and the equities. And so that's every bit as true in the grains as well. And uh, the computers are programmed differently depending on which firm is doing it and which hedge fund is using it. Um, but a lot of them will pick some type of momentum index to trade. And, and it will be based on short-term, intraday, intra, sometimes intra-minute, uh, down to the seconds, just changing signals. And if the momentum is to the downside, those computers are going to click out sell orders. And, as, and they're going to do that until the market either gets exceptionally high or low relative to the fundamentals and the fundamentals force the flip in direction. Well, that finally happened on Monday when the uh, estimates came out for the crop progress report for this week, um, just showing how slow that progress could be. And the sellers dried up as a recognition of just how bad of a situation we may be with weather this year and how many acres we may lose type of a thing. The selling dried up. We started seeing buyers come in, end users taking advantage of the cheaper prices, speculative bottom pickers coming in to buy. And as that started to turn the charts, it started to turn those momentum indicators as well. And as those momentum indicators changed, then we started seeing the computers kicking out buy orders that had previously been kicking out sell orders. So the same momentum that was driving the selling is now driving the buying as well. Now, we we raced today's gains. That's pretty significant. So that means that today, and I was just looking, July corn traded a 57-cent trading range in three days time that's just amazing but that means today's high now becomes a significant area of resistance that doesn't mean that the rally is over but it means that this market probably needs to do some consolidating in here until we learn more about what the planning delays actually are and how this is going to play out and so today's high now becomes the next significant area of resistance for the market. You talk about that weather and uh, finally seeing a little bit of reaction to it. It's come into the spotlight some, the weather delays, planting delays. So give us an update there and also we'll talk a little bit more about preventive planning, what that might shape up to be because I do think there is more rain in the forecast. Well, 
And we've been hearing talk about preventive planting for some time, obviously, because it's so wet and farmers have been pretty discouraged. I, I get that. I understand that. But I've been in this business for 35 to 40 years, and I've seen many years as a, when a planting farmer talk of planting delays and prevented planting on May 8th has a very weak correlation to what we finally see at the end. The same can be said for May 15th. This year on May 15th, though, we've got a two-week forecast that looks very wet. And so once we get past, we got some more opportunities over most areas. There'll be some rain the next couple of days over some areas of the northwest or midwest. Most other areas still have to the next two days to try to get some planting done. Then beyond that, the window starts to close in the western Midwest with some significant rains. And that wet pattern holds in place then for much of the next two weeks. In fact, if you look at the weather forecast and all the systems expected to go over the Midwest, we could see parts of Iowa get over 10 inches of rain over the next 16 days to close out the month of May by what some of the models say. And the forecast is looking wetter now for the month of June as well. Uh, Those farmers who've been around a while will remember 1993. If this forecast verifies, we could be looking at 1993. The difference is in 1993, we had similar planting delays, but at this time in the month of May, the window opened up and we were able to get a lot of planting done. And we were able to get most of the acres, I think, prevent plant acres that year were somewhere less than 3 million acres. This year, if the forecast verifies, we could see 10% of the whole U.S. corn crop that's in the western Midwest not get planted. And there could be more. And that doesn't even talk about some of the... um, acreage that needs to be replanted. There's a lot of acres out there that need to be replanted across the Midwest uh, that uh, may not get replanted. So uh, this could turn out to be a record year for prevent plant reducing acres. And then you talk about the possible yield reductions. Yield reductions are common with late planting and in years like this, but they're not a sure thing. Um, You can still have a very favorable summer and still get some decent yields, but it does increase the odds of lower yields as well. So if you put it all together, the potential is there to dramatically tighten the corn balance sheet, and we're, I think the odds are improving now to at least somewhat tighten that balance sheet. Again, our guest today, Arlen Suderman, INTL FC Stone. You're listening to Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaley Peters. And we're back here again this afternoon with Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. Our guest here again, Arlen Suderman, INTL FC Stone. Talked about grains in that first segment. Arlen, we're going to shift our focus now to the livestock and talk more about that African swine fever. Uh, spreading continuing to happen in china and other countries and continuing to have an impact on their markets and ours give us an update on asf well china is getting bold they're saying that their spreading herd is down about 22 percent with the hog feeding down 20 percent so they're getting bold our numbers are at least twice that much and in the major production areas over 50 percent down and uh, we continue to be confident in those numbers I continue to have weekly conversations with our team in China. And uh, there are others in the industry now who have connections 
you know, who find sources in China that are starting to come out with similar numbers as well. So we're getting encouraged by that from a standpoint of what the opportunities are for the U.S. meat industry. Keep in mind that we're monitoring meat prices in China, and meat prices remain pretty stable. We saw a period of volatility. Now as China is pulling pork from its reserves, that has stabilized the meat prices. Our confidence isn't real high on the size of those reserves, but the best information we've been able to get would suggest that the size of reserves and the current path of usage would suggest those reserves will be used up by September or thereabouts. So that's why we're looking for a significant uptick in uh, shipments of U.S. pork to China by the last quarter of this year. And uh, at that point, I think, or maybe a little bit sooner, we may see uh, pork prices hit the rise for the consumer here in the United States at a faster pace, which could see some increased uh, shifting a consumer shift in taste toward beef and poultry and, and supporting the alternative meats then at that point as well. But that expectation is kind of being built into the market now. And you kind of painted a picture of where we're at right now as far as our hogs and cattle market in relation to ASF, but maybe talk a little more about where we're going and what can be expected down the road. Uh, some ramifications there, Arlen. Well, we saw some strength come back today. I was most encouraged by the strength we saw in the lean hog futures contracts Uh um, trading nearly $3 higher for the June contract. And, and I think that gave some strength to the cattle market. When you look at where the cattle market is this week in typical basis, uh, it would suggest that we'd see cash cattle trading maybe uh, uh, several dollars cheaper this week. And that's kind of where the uh, cattle online cattle exchange traded today. It's right around that 117 level or so. So I think that's kind of the expectation that's being priced in. Um, we did see some good exports uh, last week for, for beef finally. Um, beef exports have been disappointing this year to the point, so maybe we're starting to see that increase. And I think as we see world hog prices go up, we'll see demand for U.S. beef on the export market increase as well. So we're seeing a little bit of underlying strength start to come into these markets, maybe start to build a base that they can start building on once again. And then finally, of course, the tariff talk is kind of just an ongoing daily conversation. So an update there, Arlen, and maybe a look to the outside markets and how they are influencing the livestock trade. Yeah, last week, uh, Susan and I talked about uh, the fact that what's been happening between China and the United States really comes right out of the playbook of negotiation uh, from a U.S. government commission study back in 1985 on how to negotiate with China and what to expect out of them and, and what they did a week ago Friday and uh, reopening the points that we thought were already negotiated is really out of their playbook. And then President Trump's response to that was really out of that playbook and the recommendations of that uh, study as well to quote-unquote throw them off balance with a counter tactic. We've seen an escalation of the tensions between the United States and China. Now we're starting to see the rhetoric calm down a little bit. Uh, we understand that the conversations are continuing to take place between the two sides. Um, and uh, I, I think that President Trump got their attention, but the next step that he has to do is give them an out. They have to have a way to save face in front of their population and in front of the, the hardline leadership of the Communist Party back home. 
So that will be the next challenge. Uh, the U.S. has told them we're going to hold fast, we're going to be strong in this, but they also have to give China a way to save face and to make any concessions. We still do not expect China to make any long-term changes in what they do, but I think they'd be willing to sign an agreement for the next six years or whatever as they see hitting the pause button in those long-term objectives. And that's why I expect to eventually happen, but that's going to take some time now. All right. Thanks so much for your input. Certainly a lot of factors coming into play. It's been quite the week already, and it's only Wednesday. Arlen, if someone wants to get a hold of you outside of the Fontenelle Final Bell, where can we send them? INTLFCStone.com. Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone, Wednesday's guest on the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.